We're grateful tonight for what God is doing. We're thankful for being here tonight. Amen. In this great holy convocation. How many of you are looking for God to do great things? Somebody look like you already got a blessing. Just lift those hands again and tell them thank you. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews 10 chapter. 25th verse. Hebrews 10 and 25. And tonight I'm going to talk about participation. We've talked about the apostolic doctrine, the Godhead, creation, uh, and the fall of man, regeneration. These are all articles of faith, salvation, justification, sanctification, separation, participation, operation, administration, confirmation, condemnation, damnation, preparation, and holiness. We want to talk about, hallelujah, participation. You know, there's a lot of people that don't believe in participating in church. They just think they ought to come. And when they do that, they do it when they want to. But it is important that you be a participant in the house of God. And I want to talk about these. Go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and 25. And you know, we read the scripture that said, if you sin willfully, after you have the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Well, that scripture is particularly talking about forsaking the assembling of yourself together, if you see how it's written. Look, Hebrews the 10th chapter 25th verse. Not forsaking the Not assembling. forsaking the assembling. Of ourselves. As ourselves together, as the manner of some, as the manner of some. Now, even back in those days, there were people who had the mannerism of not coming to church, not to be a part of church service. They skip, hit and mix. Some come to Sunday school, some don't. Some come to Sunday night, some don't. They said, "Not forsaking the assembling of yourself together, as the manner of some is." Uh huh. But exhorting one another, and exhorting one another, and so much the more. And so much the more. I don't want you to just do it, but I want you to do it even the more as you see the day approaching. Now, you know, there's a contrast that's going on now. God is telling us as you see the day approaching, you need more of this, come more. But a virus have come that says, do it less. Now, the Bible says, as you see the day approaching, uh, come more. And it's not talking about when it says not forsaking the assembling of yourself together. Amen. And uh, he's talking about coming, being in the midst of one another. And even the more, as you see that they're approaching because we need the strength of each other. Amen. Can you say Hallelujah. But I want to say this, and I want you to get this. Verse 26, look what it says. For if we sin willfully. For if we sin willfully, well, what is he talking about? What is the subject matter? Not forsaking the assembling of yourself together as a man of some are. And then he said, if you do this willfully. After that we have received After the you have received the knowledge of the truth. Of the truth there remaineth no more Now sacrifice. that's what he's talking about. If you forsake the assembling of yourself together after I done gave you the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Why? Because the sacrifice for sin takes place at communion. So what's happening is that willful sinning is going back 
to forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Aren't you glad to be here in Jesus' name? Put your hand together and give God a praise. But not just for coming to church, because I think a lot of us don't understand the four co components of a church. In Acts chapter 2 and 42, it wasn't just for service. There are four components of fellowship. In Acts 2 and 44, uh, Acts 2 and 42, get it? Acts the second chapter and the 42nd verse. Read it. And they continued steadfastly, steadfastly in, the apostles doctrine, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And the doctrine, fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in breaking of bread, and in prayer. And in prayer. Now, some of us don't mind coming together for that one, that doctrine, and coming together for church. But those other three, we miss out. And I want to talk about those today. Because your fellowship with God is based upon your fellowship with each other. And not church service now. I'm not talking about church service. I'm talking about barbecue dinners. I'm talking about picnics. I'm talking about the, because see, some of y'all are good sitting here shouting with each other, but you can't even speak to each other in the lobby. So church, church service is not what determines that you are part of the body. There are four components of it. And look at the book of 1 John chapter 1. And I want you to get verse 6. 1 John 1 and 6. Uh-huh. If we say that we have fellowship with if, him. If we say that we have fellowship with God. Now this is with him. Uh-huh. And walk in darkness. And we walk in darkness. We lie. We are lying. And do not the truth. And do not the truth. Uh-huh. But if we now, walk Now this is, this is another thing when you say if you say you have fellowship and walk in darkness now this darkness is not necessarily talking about sin this darkness is talking about the fellowship of the brethren because Jesus is not just the light he say you are the light of the world so if you say you have fellowship with each other with, with him but you are not in darkness because now Jesus said I as long as I'm in the world I'm the light of the world now you're the light of the world that means that you're one of those people by yourself because if you're the light, you're the light, you're the light, there's no way I can be around you and be in darkness. So there's a darkness that we have we don't, when we don't fellowship with each other. When I'm not around you and you're not around me, and there's a lot of people that sit in a dark corner by themselves because they don't want to fellowship with each other. Look what he says, read. But if we walk in the light. But if we walk in the light. As he is in, as the, he light, is in the light. We have fellowship. We have fellowship. One with another. One with another. See, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, then you have fellowship with each other. So you can't say that you have a fellowship with God and don't have a fellowship with each other. I mean, you got deep prayer meetings going into deep prayer meetings and fasting and praying and shouting and falling out and can't even speak to anybody. In fact, your entire relationship with God is based upon your relationship with other people. You, you're what verifies, get First John chapter 4 and 20. I'm talking about participation, First John 4 and 20. And the, and the issue is, any folk that don't want to fellowship with each other, your problem is not holding you back from each other. Because problems can be resolved. It's your pride. Because simply repenting and simply asking for forgiveness will move all those things out of the way. All right, go, go with me to 1 John chapter 4 and 20. Look what it says. If a man say, 
if a man say, I love God, I love God and, hated his, and hated his brother, he is a liar. He's a liar. For he if a man say he loved God and hate his brother, he's lying. So you can't have these people in the church that don't deal with each other and don't speak with each other talking about you love God. Boy, it's quiet tonight. That's why I gave y'all about an extra 15 minutes to shout because I knew you wouldn't be where I get through. My, see, your, your, your tongues, hallelujah, is supposed to verify the Holy Ghost. But your relationship verifies your love. Because, see, what God wants you to know now that he is not the body of Christ now. That's right. You are the body of Christ. So if I don't love you, I don't love him because you are him now. You are him. The only Jesus you're going to see in the earth is each other. And he said, if that's my body and you don't love him, you hate me. So we're, we're here hating each other and I know when you hate each other you're hating Christ because I become him the church has become the body of Christ my God somebody say hallelujah read that again if a man say if a man say I love God I love God and hated his brother and hate his brother he is a liar he's a liar for he that loveth not his brother he that loveth not his brother whom he have seen whom have seen how can he love God how can he love God whom he have not seen all right give me John 13 and 35 all right what proves our discipleship all right John 13 35 by this all right people are not going to know that we're his disciples by preaching one Lord, one faith, one baptism. They're not going to know that we're his disciples by laying hands on people and they receive the Holy Ghost. By this, uh -huh, shall, all men, shall know all men know that, ye are my that you are my disciples if, ye have love, if you have love one to, another. one to another. What the world needs to see to know that we are his disciples is the relationship that we have with each other. We can put as many billboards as we want out. We can get as many amplifiers and, and as many generators that we out, get out there and preach on the street. That doesn't convince people that we are his disciples. What convinced people that we are his disciples is how we work together with each other. My God, can somebody say hallelujah? Amen. And I want you to get Acts chapter 20 and 7. I want to talk again about coming together to hear the word coming together for fellowship, coming together for breaking of bread, and coming together for prayers. Amen. And I want you to get this today. I'm, I'm going a little slow because I want you to get it. Get it in your heart. John chapter 20 and 7. All right? I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, Acts 20 and 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, uh -huh. Paul preached unto them, ready to... Now, there's this, there's this, there's this teacher now. And Hebrew Israelite is one of them that got it, that says you don't have to come together for a service, that you are the church. And yes, you are the church, but the church met at a church. Because there are people who now say you don't have to be the church, no, you don't go to church no more, you are the church. And I'm going to prove that the church was a physical location as well. 
it was not just collect because you know you got people stay home now. I said I don't have to go to church. Uh, we are the church. Watch this. Get the book of Acts chapter twenty and seven. What it says. And upon the first day of the week, uh -huh. when the disciples came when the together, disciples came together to break bread, to break bread, Paul preached unto them. They came together to break bread, and Paul did what? Preach, preach unto them. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and 1. So the church did come together. You have the physical church. It's just like you have the United States of America. You have the United States of America, which is the country, and then you have the United States of America, which is the people. Yes. Now, we the people live in the United States. So you have the people and you have the location. So the church is the people and it has a location. All right, watch this. All right, read. Now concerning the collection for the same, uh -huh. as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, yes. even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you uh -huh. lay by him in store, uh -huh. as God hath prospered. So him. there was a time that they came together on the first day of the week. They came together to worship. Amen. They didn't stay home at separate places. They did come together. All right, give me the book of Matthew chapter 18 and 19. There is a collectiveness of the people together. All right, 18, uh, 18 and 19. Read. Again, I say unto you, uh -huh. that of two of you uh -huh. shall agree So he's earth. not teaching individualism. He's not teaching. He's letting you know where two of, uh, two of you. Uh -huh. That of two of you uh -huh. shall agree on earth. I don't want this. And the reason he uses the number two, because he wants you to let you know that you can't get this by yourself. There are some things you have to come together on and not just the preacher. You see, let me, let me say this so everybody can understand it. The pastor has two responsibilities. Two responsibilities. He has to breed and feed. That's it. His responsibility is to feed the sheep and breed. So if, if I'm a shepherd, what shepherds do, the total responsibility of the shepherd is to make sure that the sheep are mating. Shepherds don't, shepherds don't grow flocks by their relationship with the sheep. They flow, grow flocks by having the sheep to relate to each other. And some of y'all got good relationship with your pastors, but you don't have good relationship with each other. But that don't produce sheep. That doesn't produce sheep. A shepherd's relationship with a sheep. So we've got to get y'all to have relationships. And you have to realize in the church as pastors, and I say this all the time, you have to pass the goats. You have a responsibility to pass the goats. You want to throw them all out. You want to get rid of all of them. Jesus passed the goats. Give me the book of Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. 25. And I want you to get verse 32. Read it. And before him. And before him. Shall be gathered all nations. Shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them. And he shall separate them. One from another. One from another. As a shepherd. As a shepherd. Divided. Divided. His sheep. From. His sheep. From his goat. So a shepherd has sheep and goat. Now your job as a shepherd is to make sure that you keep them separate. Because you don't want a sheep messing with a goat and you have a shoat. Or a geep. 
So there are certain people, I want you all to hear this, there are certain people in the church, you have to really isolate them from other people because they're messy. They're still members of the church, but you can't put them on auxiliaries. You can't put them in departments. And they wonder why I've been sitting there all the time and never because I don't want any show around here and you can't get along with anybody. And if I'm not careful, you'll put that, I have, you'll have some good sheep that I've gotten corrupted by some goats. So we got to know how to separate. L listen, when you, when you do informing, you got to know how to pin them in. You pin them, you pin some animals and separate them to themselves and keep them. So those are your responsibilities. You can't get rid of all of them. Some of them God got some there. Some people that you're dealing with that God got them there for you to deal with. And not only are they there for you to deal with, they're there to let you learn how to deal with those kind of people. Jesus didn't get rid of Judas. But he had to know how to deal with him. So as pastors, you have to know how to deal with people and how to be able to deal with difficult people and not to throw all the gold away because you may need them too. Somebody say hallelujah. Put your hand together and give God praise and say hallelujah. All right. Give me the book of Acts chapter 2 and 46. And they... Continuing daily with one accord in the temple uh -huh. and breaking bread from house to house. Now I want you to see they continued daily in the temple. They, they, they went somewhere. That's for people that don't believe that, uh, that church is essential or coming together. They went somewhere. All right, give me quickly Acts 14, 23. Read. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting. They ordained them elders in every church. So somebody said, well, we all in the church. No, they had different locations. Elders in every church. Amen. So there was a location. There was a place. Now, uh, I want you to get this. Go with me quickly uh, to the book of First Corinthians chapter 1 and 10. Now I beseech you, brethren. Now, it is important that we as the saints come together to hear the word of God so that we can hear the same thing. Everybody need to be the Bible study. So that one person not teaching one thing and one person teaching another thing that we can be saying the exact same thing. So they came together to hear the word of God so that everybody could be on the same page. Get 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 10. All right, read. Now I beseech you, brethren, yes. by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh -huh. that ye all speak the same thing. That you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among that you. That there be no divisions among you. But that ye be perfectly joined together uh -huh. in the same mind. And the only way that's going to be that if we're hearing the same thing. You can't speak the same thing unless you're hearing the same thing. And you can't have these little private Bible studies outside of your pastor. I told you the other day, you're not authorized to feed you can exalt now if the pastor give you that permission to give out something you give it to it but you're not authorized like the pastor everything the pastor say in the pulpit you can't say amen so uh you you can't have these little secret sections that you're having and these secret uh you know because a lot of people they want to look like they know something they just want to look like they know something. They want to come out with something that the pastor ain't said before and bring it out. So I say, ooh, boy, that was deep. And sometimes they be just as off as they can be. So you got to speak the same thing. And there is a, there is a original, there is a voice, and there's an echo. There's only one voice in the church. How can they hear without a preacher? There's a voice. Everything else is an echo. 
Amen. I'm the voice for the national body. The bishop is the voice for the district body. And the district elder is the voice for the district. The local pastor is the voice for that church. And see how this thing works? Uh, 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 your, your voice is my echo. And Bishop McLeod's voice, hallelujah, his echo, uh, his, his, your voice under him is his echo. So how it works is I'm saying something, the bishops are saying something, the elders are saying something, and the pastors are saying something. But it's all an echo. It's, it's all, you got an original voice, you got an echo, an echo. Now the echo don't say nothing different than the voice. If the echo says something different than the voice, it's another voice. Whatever your pastor say, you ought to be saying. Y'all ain't saying nothing. My God, you ought to be an echo. And if you saying something other than what your pastor saying, then that's another voice. There ought to be an echo. These speakers ain't saying nothing but what I say. Now, if I'm talking here and these speakers start saying something else, something wrong with the speakers, get rid of them. And if you got somebody else and preaching something other than what your pastor say, shut him down. <laughs> pastor, leave you in charge of Bible study. You got a whole nother doctrine that you don't start teaching. Y'all with me here tonight? My God, lift your hands up and say hallelujah. hallelujah. And, and pastors, I want to encourage you, stop putting people up to teach Bible study that don't come to Bible study. What can they teach? They're not faithful enough. They don't know enough. Don't just put them in there because they've been in the church a long time. If they don't come to Bible study, don't put them up. What can they teach? If you're going to have somebody teach, you want to make sure it's a student. My God, put your hand together and give God praises and say hallelujah. Lift them up and say, thank you, Jesus. And those that are deacons and elders, nobody ought to ask you to teach. And you said, I'm not ready yet. Uh, not tonight. You know what? You ought, to be, you ought to be sitting on the edge ready. The Bible says you're supposed to be apt to teach. You I mean you, you you're not really waiting on your on your on your pastor. You you sitting there, boy. I wish I hope you give me a chance. I'm ready. I got I got something I like to say about the Lord. Yes, sir. As little boys, that's how we used to be sitting down in the pulpit, hoping hoping for an opportunity to preach. We we were look we were sitting there. We want an opportunity because we felt like we had studied and got. And, and now you go and I to preach. You preach. I, I ain't ready. I ain't I ain't studied nothing. I ain't got nothing. I called a minister the other week. I told him, you're going to preach this morning. And uh, he said, me? I said, yeah. He said, I, I, this morning? I said, yeah, this morning. I let him off a little bit. I was, I was hard. I let him off because he had to go to work. But if he hadn't go to work, because uh, I wanted him to get up and preach. And sometimes you need to give these uh, ministers an opportunity to embarrass themselves. Call them right, right, right up in them because you're supposed to be instant in season and out of season. You're supposed to be ready. I've got a doctor, somebody gets sick, and doctor says, I ain't ready to operate. Because the thing is, you don't study to preach, you study to show yourself approved unto God. You ought to always be able to give an answer to every man. If you got to study, son, that means you don't know your Bible. My God, somebody say, Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Before you can get a word for God's people, you need to have a word for yourself. 
you need to have a relationship. Amen. Some of these preachers now, they got internet, their internet called. The YouTube preacher. Change the message and then get the YouTube preaching. They got YouTube, Facebook, and all that kind of stuff. You about to get before God. Instead of Facebook, you about to put your face in the book. A church can't survive off of sugar messages. All that hype and all that jumping, all that's good, but you got to be able to teach the word. Amen. You see, the most of the Bible, you don't really find anything that anybody preached in the Bible. And in, in, in very few you find what they preach. But what you do find letters and teachings and instructions and all those, that's what a pastor needs. That's what a deacon's supposed to have. That's what an elder is supposed to have. To be able to break down that word, amen, to people. Now, I want to say this. We come to church to hear the word of God, amen, to hear what's preached so that we can be able to repeat that and embrace it and share with each other. But then there's a part of fellowship, and many of you all have sinned in fellowship. The Bible talks about that in Leviticus chapter 6 and 1. Sinning in fellowship. Well, get it. Leviticus 6 and 1. Uh-huh. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, if a soul sinned, and commit a trespass against the Lord. Yes. And lie unto his neighbor in that which was delivered him to keep. Yes. Or in fellowship. Or in fellowship. So many of you all have said in fellowship. I've never seen it so much. The church be full. You call a women's meeting, a women's fellowship, nobody come. You call a church fellowship, nobody come. And I used to didn't understand that. I thought people be tired. But then what happened, they don't come to fellowship. But you see them in the mall. You see them at restaurants. You see them with their co-workers eating. You see them with their family eating? Y'all ain't saying much. But God didn't just call you into the church. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 9, you have not just been called into the church. Look at 1 Corinthians 1 and 9. God is faithful. God is faithful. By whom ye were called. By whom you were called. Into the fellowship. Into the fellowship. You ain't just called here to church, but you have been called into a fellowship. My God, somebody say Hallelujah. That means, hallelujah, that you're called to be able to hang out with each other. You're called to be able to go to outings with each other. Because, you see, what happens, fellowship reveals your flesh. Worship reveals your spirit. And some of y'all flesh ain't no good. And you need to work on it. Because y'all can get out of a good, hot service. And some of y'all know it ain't no good. That's why you don't like to go to stuff. Because you got your own ways, you're selfish. If things don't go your way, you get mad. Go to the pickup, go to the picnic, pick up your cooler and put it in the car and drive off and take your coin off the grill. I brought that coin. She can't have none of that. Sitting up there, the whole fellowship, I can anti-social. And I don't care about y'all looking at me funny. If I'm stepping on your toe, then remove your toe. They got all kind of, you, can, you, can, you can hear them in the church hollering and yelling when I'm preaching. But they go to a fellowship, they sit over there by themselves like they can barely talk. They're all over the church. Preach, pastor, preach. Have a fellowship. They're sitting over there by themselves. Hey, sister so-and-so. Five hours. Ain't touching nobody. Ain't saying nothing to anybody. That ain't the right spirit. Thank you, 
So we're called into a fellowship. All right, read. God is faithful. Uh huh. By whom you were called into the fellowship uh -huh. of his son, Jesus Christ, our yeah. Lord. Uh -huh. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh -huh. that ye all speak the same thing. All right, give me 2 Corinthians chapter 8 uh, and 4. Praying us with much entreaty. Praying us with much entreaty. That we will receive the gift. That we receive the gift. And take upon us the fellowship. And take upon us the fellowship. Of the ministering. Of ministering. To the saints. Of ministering to the saints. The fellowship of ministering to the saints. Not just shouting and dancing, but ministering. Yes, yes. Going behind that table and serving watermelons. Yes, yes, yes. See, you can avoid us in church. And you can go around the whole church, but when you got them baked beans down there, and that sister wants some baked beans, you can't avoid her. Ella Davis lied up over here, and Ella, 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 uh, Ella Singleton, and come here, Deacon Gavin. Yeah, you're lying up right there. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Come on down here. Come to the baked bean line. Right over there. See, some of y'all see that? that? That Them baked bean lines? Them coleslaw lines? And them chicken lines? They show what's up. You can't even look at them. Oh, hey, brother. How you doing? See, that, that, that reveals... Where you are. See, you can get over here and pray. Can't nobody see you. Got your eyes closed. But you got to look people dead in the eye at them fellowships. Some of y'all don't want to ride on the buses or the vans because you got to sit by somebody. Ain't but, ain't but five people on the Greyhound bus and all y'all driving in cars because you don't like to sit by each other. You got to get rid of that mess. You going to hell. You can't get along down here. Ain't no need of you trying to go to heaven nowhere. We shout over it, we dance over it, we speak in tongue over it, and fall out over it. I told y'all the other night, some of y'all ain't falling out on the spirit, y'all passing out. There is a fellowship involved in this thing. All right, and there's a ministering to the saints. All right, Ephesians chapter 3 and 8. Unto me, uh -huh. whom am less than the least of all saints, uh -huh. is this grace given. Uh -huh. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Uh -huh. And to make all men... Part of my responsibility as an apostle is not just to preach to you to shout and dance. But it's to make all men... Come on. All men see... See... What is the fellowship... What is the fellowship... Of the mystery... Of the mystery... Which from the beginning of the world... And part of my responsibility is to show you what is the fellowship... How we're supposed to run together and minister together. In fact, give me the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and 11. He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For what? The perfecting of the saints. Uh -huh. For the work of the ministry. Uh -huh. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Uh -huh. Till we all come in. All of these things that God gives an apostle is for one thing. Everything God done gave me is for one thing. Read it again. Uh-huh. You know what I do, but you don't know why I do it. 
I do this, but this is why I say do it. Read. For the perfecting of the saints. Right, wait, read, read. He gave some what? Apostles, Apostles and some prophets uh -huh. and some evangelists uh -huh. and some pastors uh -huh. and teachers uh -huh. for the perfecting for the perfecting of the same of the same uh -huh. for the work of the ministry uh -huh. for the edifying uh -huh. of the body of Christ uh -huh. till we all come. all this power all these gifts all these miracles all this word is for one thing to bring us into the unity of the faith sometimes you see what I do but you don't see why I do it it's all about bringing us together. And if I'm bringing us together and you're separating us, that's a problem. In fact, God didn't just tell you to look out for people that are preaching false doctrine. But in, in Romans chapter 16 and 17, there's another. Because some of y'all are so busy looking at people preaching false doctrine that there's another one sitting right up here among you that you ain't looking at them. Romans chapter 16 and 17. Look what he says. Now I beseech you. I beseech you. Brethren. Brethren. Mark them. Mark them. Which cause division. Let's stop there with them first. Before you go to talk about anything else, mark them that cause division. Put a mark on these people in the church that's caused a division and separation. Now we must focus. You know, we got, a, we got a, an apostolic marker. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. They don't baptize in Jesus' name, mark them. Amen. Christmas trees, mark them. But what about the one in the church that's running their mouth and dividing people in the church? Take that same mark and mark them. Doesn't got division, brothers against brothers and sisters against sisters, district against district, pastors against pastors. Mark them. You got the same mark on you. And then God said, don't just mark them that cause division. Read. And our offense is contrary. Our offense is contrary. To the doctrine uh -huh. which ye have learned. And do what? And, and avoid, them. avoid them. You got to stay around and stay away from those people in the church. My God, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, people, and this is the thing that have happened. Now, y'all give me a few minutes. What has happened in the church? People look at the church and look at people in the church like they are flawless. And they look at the church as if people in the church are not supposed to have problems. And the minute somebody have a conflict in the church, you want to leave the church and tell them how bad the church is and stay home. The fact is, the same kind of mess people keep up in the church, they keep up on your job. The same kind of mess people keep up in the church, they keep up in, on your family. But you still go down there uh, to Thanksgiving and everything else and still going to work because you feel like going to work is worth that paycheck. But I tell you what, I feel like coming dealing with some of these devils is worth my soul going to heaven. And if I got to deal with you, listen, there are some places that God put us for salvation that are not always nice and comfortable. It was not nice and comfortable for Lot to be living on no mountain. It was not nice and comfortable for Noah to be living in an ark with a bunch of stink animals. Now we look at Noah in the ark, but those animals was messing in there. It was stinking there, but his salvation was in there. I'm in the church sometimes with some monkeys and some goats and some giraffe, but it's worth my salvation. I'm going to stay here. I ain't going to bail out because it's taking me a little while. I ain't going to bail out because somebody made me mad. This is my salvation. You don't have to leave the church because you're mad at somebody. People are always threatening the church. They're threatening the church. I'm going to leave. I don't, I, I'm, I'm leaving. Y'all get it all the time. Pastors get it all the time. I just don't feel that the spirit is here anymore. That the, the love is gone. And, and uh, I just, 
Them people don't love you on your job. Them folks don't love you on your job. You think they love you, they like the work that you do. Get sick and see if that check going to keep coming. They'll send you a card and a get well soon card. If you don't get well soon card, your next one is you fired or something else. And you're doing everything you can to stay on that job because you want that money. You're going hopping and all. <laughs> going, to, going to work with walkers and everything else. About to fall out. Because you feel like that job is worth it. My God, I'm coming to this church. I don't care who rolled your eyes at me. I don't care who li don't like me. I don't care how many lies you told on me. I don't care what you said. I'm coming here because my life is in here. Jesus himself told his disciples, y'all get up and leave. Go. Everybody else don't look. They said, listen, if we go, where should we go? I have come to the place that ain't nowhere else to go but God. So you're going to have to deal with me. Reach over and tell somebody you might not like me. But you're going to have to deal with me. Because I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to be the last man standing. I'm standing right here. Do whatever you want to do. Some of y'all trying to run me away because you're scared. I'm going to get your position and all that. You've been in the church. You, you done moved. You put pocketbooks in your seat so I can't sit by you. Got your children looking at me rolling their eye. That's all right. I'm coming in here anyway. I'm not here worshiping you. I'm worshiping God. That's who I love. That's who I worship. We got to have some saints that's strong enough to deal with people. Strong enough to deal with opposition. That love God enough that you don't care what anybody feel, what anybody say. I'm in love with Jesus. I fell in love with Jesus. I, I, something got a hold of me and I've got a relationship with him. No height, no death, no things present, no things to come going to separate me from the love of God. Put your hand together and praise God. Acts 6 and 1. We try to act like the church was so heavenly and so divine. You know they had a lot of problems in the church. People are like, I ain't going to lead the church because it's too much confusion. They got all this going on. That, that, that church, that, 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 this and that and that and that. Do you know that the church in the Bible basically had just about as many problems or more than we had today? Paul passes the church. But a man didn't take his daddy's wife. Then a man didn't take his daddy's wife. This is in the church. Y'all act like these people had wings on them. This was some tough church. Paul said they had more fornicating going on in the church than the world. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and 1. And you're talking about leaving the church because people got problems and people got issues. You leaving the church because three people walked in with something that didn't look like you, you thought it ought to look. Oh, that, I, I didn't like the way they drink. Oh, I understand it going down. Oh, I'm leaving the church. Now, these people were fornicating more than the sinner. Paul said, let me do the record. Look at 1 Corinthians 5 and 1. Read. It is reported. Yes. Commonly. Yes. That there is fornication uh -huh. among you. Among you. And uh -huh. such fornication. And such fornication. As it is not And, and, and pastor, why are you going crazy? Because you got some people that have issues. And have made yourself invalid. Because you got people that have issues. Paul was one of the greatest apostles that ever lived. 
and he passed on the church. They got more fornication going on there than they got in the world. That don't mean you're not a successful pastor. You don't went into depression because you got people. Jesus passed the 5,000 and his whole church left him. And you walk around here discrediting who you are. You can't discredit who you are because of people. Because sometimes God sent you to rebellious people. Sometimes God send you to people that don't want to hear the word of God. And then sometimes God send you to some people that their heart's going to change. When Jesus died, how many members did he have? None. All his disciples. He had invested that time in them. Now I'm talking, I want y'all to get this because pastors, some of y'all are going through depression. You hear me? Some of y'all are going through depression. And ain't nothing like going through pastoring depression and then you got a wife who nagging you on the side, kids nagging you. If a man of God ain't close to God, he'd be done hung himself somewhere. Because he got your problems and his problems, and you look at the church that doesn't grow, and then you see people failing in the church, and then you start asking yourself, is this something that I've done? Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's the message I preach. Then you start invalidating yourself. And the devil will work on you, because he worked on Jesus, said, if you be the son of God. And the reality is we do have issues and there are times because churches go up and down. I had had an older gentleman tell me this and it helped me because I went through a period of time that the church got full and and in the first part of ministry and people start coming in and they start going. It's amazing when you get comfortable with a church growing. I mean it doesn't build up and people coming and you're looking good. Now you got your little old robe on and walking out you feel like a preacher. You can sit down now when the service is going on. Bless him, bless him, bless him, bless him, bless him. Big old choir singing. You stand up, you wait behind the choir, and you look down there and see that big old choir behind you just waving, congregation full. That bishop called me and said, come here, son. And he said, now this is a wonderful church you got. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, the church is like a bus. People getting on and people getting off. That helped me. Give me the book of Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Watch this. And I want you to get this in your heart and get it real good. Lest you get discouraged. When Jesus, 26 and 56. When Jesus got through with his ministry. Matthew 26, 56. What it says. But all this was done. That the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Uh Uh-huh. Then all... What? The disciples, the disciples forsook him, forsook him and, fled. and fled. Now the people left, but the close people forsook him and fled. Peter forsook him. James and John, all these people that he has done things for. You know, when you get relationships with people and attached with people, you invest a certain part of your heart in them. You love them. You put a certain part of your heart in them. You pay their bills, you help their children, you invest in them if you really love them. You invest in them. And all of a sudden when you know you have done everything that you can and those people pull away and sometimes they take a part of a pastor's spirit. That's why you got to know how to take your spirit out of people when they leave. Release your responsibility from them when they leave. Lest they're gone, and while they're gone, they tuck your joy with them. Because there are certain times that you pray for people and deal with people, things come out of you into them. 
Ah, remember when Jesus, the woman with the issue of blood, he looked for her because something that was in him went in her. The virtue had gone out of him. He had to find her. Know how to pull your virtue back. So if you don't pull it back, you'll be sitting in church depressed. Two or three people leave the church that's been there with you a long time. They leave and you can't even function no more because they got your spirit. And they've took the spirit with them. Pull your spirit back in. Amen. Somebody say hallelujah. Lift your hands up and say thank you Jesus. Sometimes you have to cut them off. That's why when Judas was getting ready to go, Jesus said whatever you do, go and do it quickly. He detached himself from all of the disciples. He started making a slow process. He had already detached himself. Amen. Because you'll find yourself not able to function, not able to do. Are y'all with me, saints? My God, put your hand together and give God praises. Give me Acts 6. Give me Acts 6. There will always be women problem in the church. There will always be. Amen. There was always some conflict and some... I've I never seen it. I, I, there's always. It's, it's just conflict. That's part of the nature of women to have those kind of things going on. Give me the book of Acts chapter 6 and 1. The church experienced this. So stop discrediting the church. Because, you know, the first time somebody have an argument or disagreement, somebody that's weak and standing by, the first thing they do is say, oh, they got too much mess over there. It's mess going over. Uh-uh, it's too much of mess going on in that church. I can't go over there. I went over there the other day. There was two sisters in the lobby about to beat each other up. That ain't the spirit of God. But what you think? The angels was fighting in heaven. The first fight didn't start in the church. The first fight started in heaven. And the Lord had to kick somebody out of there. They were cutting up up there. Now you think you're going to have a church-free problem and the Lord had to throw some of A third of the angels were cutting up in heaven and you think you ain't going to have no problem in no church. God was on the throne and angels cutting up. I ain't God. If God didn't stop the angels from cutting how you think I'm going to do that? And then everything come on the pass. Oh, uh, look like he ought to use some judgment. He should have never, he, he must have been praying. He, don't, he didn't see our spirit. He missed that one. Did Jesus miss Judas? Sometimes you got to put people in position that might not even have the right spirit and you'll deserve because most of you all wouldn't even sit there. He, he acknowledged. I chose 12. One of you is the devil. He wanted them all to know, I know that you ain't right. Every now and then you got to be with some people that you know ain't right. Sometimes God put them in there as an example to the ones that are right so they'll know not to act like them. There's some folk that God make examples out of. Amen. All right, read this, six, Acts 6 and 1. Read. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied. First thing, look out. Look, this is the first thing you look out. Look out when a church grows. These problems, first of all, you should thank God for them because these problems don't come until churches grow. I find myself dealing with more stuff than I've ever dealt with, but the church is growing. It came the time when, when the church uh, began to multiply, the disciples began to multiply. Uh -huh. There arose a murmuring of the Grecians amongst the Hebrews uh -huh. because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Uh -huh. Then the twelve. Now, listen, pastors and members, don't ignore every murmur because some murmurings are good. You know, you got some pastors, they're so offended that if somebody says something, now, I, I believe there's a difference between murmuring and complaining. And I have an open door policy that if you don't like something, you can come to me in the right spirit and I'll hear it. 
And sometimes I even change it. Because I want you to always feel like you can approach me and I can listen to you. And I always, when I have folk that say things behind my back, there's the first thing I ask, did I make myself accessible enough that they could say it in my face? That's one. That's the first thing. I'm not, I don't just hear what they said. I ask myself a question and I say, could they have said that to me in my face and I not be offended? Because the reason some people are talking about your back because they can't talk in your face. I want you pastors to get that. Jesus was able to hear what people thought about him even if it wasn't the truth. Who the men say I am? Some say you're the son of God. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets. He can handle what people say. I can handle what people say without me getting crazy. Especially if I know what they're saying ain't true. I had a sister told me sometimes she didn't think I didn't like her. I didn't speak to her. She said, you didn't speak to me. You don't never speak to me. I said, well, do you ever speak to me? That lady comes sit on my desk and says, I think you got favoritism. I said, well, show me. Prove it. Tell me I got it. Show me. And I, if I got it, I, I'm willing to say, you tell me everything you got to say. I just feel that way. I said, tell me a, re- tell me a time that I showed favoritism. Well, I had something the other day, and I invited you. You didn't, didn't come. I said, now, if the other person that I had to go to, if I didn't miss it, if they had the same spirit, you said they'd say the same thing about me. I said, I can't be everyone at the same time. I said, you know, remember, I'm not God, right? I said, if you had 12 children, all 12 of your children's birthday was on the same day, which one would you go to? I told her I had to make choices. And I said, I thought that you were strong enough that you could deal with it. But evidently you're not. I went to see about the baby because I thought you was an adult. Then she started crying. I didn't, I didn't see it. I, I didn't see it like that. But can you handle that without getting mad? See, when the, when the apostles heard this, read, read what it says. Verse 2, then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto him. Unto uh-huh. them. Y'all give me a few minutes now. Y'all with me? Read, uh-huh. And said, uh-huh. it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Uh-huh. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you. One of the things that was very important is that the apostles, even though they were the apostles, they understood that they didn't make all the decisions. And they weren't the only smart person in the church. I don't have to make every decision. In fact, I'm trying to raise up men who can think. Some, some pastors, and I said this, I'm going to be having a meeting. I told the bishop, I'm going to be having with some of the meeting with some of the pastors. Because some of y'all are not pastors in church. Y'all running consecration camps. You're mean, you're bitter, you can't pastor people like that. The, the apostles had men that could make decisions. They said, we're not going to make this decision. You look out among yourself and you find seven men full of the Holy Ghost. We trust your judgment. If you don't have some deacons and brothers in there that you have to stand over them all the time before they make decisions and you don't trust their judgment, you're going about things wrong. 
because you're saying you're the only smart person in there. I do not judge a leader's success by what happens when he's there. You judge it by what happens when he's gone. Y'all with me, saints? All right, read, uh uh-huh. Wherefore, brethren, brethren, look ye out among you, uh-huh. seven men of honest report, yes. full of the Holy Ghost uh-huh. and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now, this is one thing that I want you to do, and I want you to hear this, and this will save your pastors a lot. When people come to you with problems, don't solve the problems. Tell them to come back with a solution. I'm solving my own problem. They come to me, they know, they come to me and ask me, son, this need to be done. I say, well, figure it out. And then y'all come back and tell me what y'all got figured out. And if I like the idea, then we'll go with it. And if, it, if your idea is better than mine, come on and bring it and we'll go, we'll go to it. But I want you to come with a solution. Because I have my own problems to deal with that are important. And so I want to be able to, and see what happens is this. When you set order like this, the church will grow. Look what happens. Read. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer. Uh-huh. And to the ministry of the word. Yes. And the same pleased the whole multitude. Uh-huh. And they chose Stephen. Now I'm going to tell you, let me tell you what they did. I want you to get this. The women were having problems, and apparently they got the men of those women to solve it. I tell you what you do. You have these women that have problems, get their husbands involved with the problem that their husband and wife having. Not one that ain't henpecked. Now you're coming to henpecked, they be done tow your office up. But sometimes men can get in there and reasonably deal with it and say, uh-uh, honey, that, you stop that. No, cool. See, that's why the Bible said, some of them say, if you got anything that you want to know, ask your husband at what? At home, you see. Now, the next thing we got, I'm dealing with fellowship. I deal with, I deal with doctrine, fellowship. Then I want to deal with breaking of bread. Now, listen, breaking of bread was not just communion, although it included communion. But breaking of bread, it was necessary for them to sit down and eat together because when, when you ate in the Bible days, as long as somebody had an evil eye, you couldn't eat food. So if me and you had an attitude when we came to the table, they wouldn't eat until your eyes were straightened up. And everybody else would be mad with you because y'all got problems. They say, hey man, y'all, whatever y'all doing, I'm hungry, the food hot, y'all need to get it together because look, and so the whole family put pressure on you. Everybody put pressure on you. So all that food up there, smoke coming out, and y'all still mad. We ain't eating. That's where we get the word, uh, 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 let's just come to the table. Look at Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs 23. That's why there must be these fellowships that we eat and come together. Amen. 23 and 6. Now, you know, uh, you ought to have some fellowships and stop these take, take home packages at the fellowship. It's a fellowship, not, not a drive-thru. You got fellowship. They won't even sit down three minutes and be with people, and they come to there, I'm going to get mine to go. And they stop. This is, we are not, fellowships are not a drive-thru. This is not McDonald's window. This is not Burger King window. Sit down. Let's eat. Let's eat together so we can see what comes out from the table. All right, God, lift your hands up and say Hallelujah. All right, read 23 and 6. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye. So they didn't eat bread with people that had evil eyes. You got to get your eyes straight. I saw you looked at me when I sat at that table. So I don't eat no bread. Now, can you imagine the pressure that would come on people when they're sitting there and everybody's sitting at the table and they say, we're not eating because such and such and them, they're not speaking. So saying grace wasn't about getting up there praying over your food either. 
Saying grace was not just praying over your food, but saying grace was also giving grace to each other. Speaking grace to each other, your own words of grace to each other, forgiveness to each other. Jesus tried to fix this in the book of Matthew chapter 26. When That's why he brought his disciples to the table. He had all of them there. He had Judas there. And said, one of y'all going to betray me. We're at the table. Let's get it right. Let's talk about it. Let's get it together. My God, somebody say hallelujah. Amen. Can you lift your hands and say thank you, Jesus? 26th chapter of Matthew, really. Uh, get 26, and I want to get uh, verse number 14, 26 and 14. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. What verse you on? Verse 15. I want 26 and 14. Uh, uh-huh. Then one I'm sorry, go up a little bit. Go up a little bit. I want you to get 26. Y'all bear with me. I know I'm lengthy, but I got to get this because this is what we need. 26th chapter, and I want you to start at verse number 6. Uh-huh. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? Uh-huh. For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath brought a good work upon me. Uh-huh. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. Uh-huh. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Uh-huh. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Uh-huh. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priest. Now listen, Judas didn't like something that Jesus said. And I want to help you with this. When we have communion, when we have feasts, these are times for you to get out whatever you feel about an individual before you take that bread. Judas had this evil spirit against Jesus and from that day forward, you know that people can hold stuff against you. They can hold stuff against you for years and years and days and still sit up under your ministry. Still sit in the department and hold things in their heart. Judas held that thing. Read. And said unto them, uh-huh. what will you give me and I will deliver him unto you? Yes. And they covenanted. So Judas has allowed the spirit of the enemy to get in him. Amen. And Jesus is trying to bring it out at the table and bring all of the sentiments of his heart out at the table. That's really what communion is for. When we take communion and we put that bread on the table, when I know that I have something that I have against my brother, I know that I have something against my sister, it is supposed to force that out of me. Now, there are some of you, and this is what God is saying. You will tell the Lord, rather than get close to you and touch your body, I'll hold what I got for them. Now, here is the body of Christ, and God says, you can't touch my body until you got this thing together. Now, if you're talking about going with Jesus, and you can't touch his body on earth, I'm talking about when I see Jesus, amen, you see him at the table. This is my body, and yet you will let somebody, I ain't going to let nobody keep me from God. You let them keep you from God when communion was there. 
Because you wouldn't even go touch his body because you got an out against somebody that you're unwilling to get. See, it's, see, the thing is, it's not me being sorry, not me being weak. But the problem is this. I have allowed somebody else to keep me away from God. Now you talk about my husband ain't going to keep me back. My mama ain't going to keep me back. But you got a sister in the church keeping you back from communion. Somebody lift your hands and say, Lord, help us. Somebody say, Lord, help us. My God, put your hand together and give God praises. Tell somebody, I'll see you at the table. My God, tell them again, I'll see you at the table. My God, put your hand together and give God praises. Now, the last thing I want to tell you, I want you to get this. This is one of the last things I want to tell you. It's so important that things that you understand that there are certain sins that you can commit without body. Your body doesn't have to be there to commit those sins. The Bible said when it comes down to fornication, every, when you're sinning with fornication, it's with your body. Every other sin is without the body. But he that committed fornication sins with the body. Now, this is important, and you want to get this, and this is why it's important. Because some of you here, you know, he said, if a man look on a woman of lust, he hadn't even touched it, and there was no physical contact, but he had an adulterous relationship. That's what he says. But many of you all in the church, when you stand before God and get judged, you're going to get judged for murder. And you never physically killed anybody. First John chapter 3 and 10. You have never picked up a knife. You've never picked up a gun. You've never shot anybody, but you will be judged for murder. Look at this, 1 John 3, hallelujah. Y'all with me, saints? Amen. And 10, uh-huh. In this the children of God are manifest. Uh-huh. And the children of the devil. Uh-huh. Whosoever Wait a minute. This is the children of God manifested and the children of the devil. Now, you all are looking for these people that got the devil. That got that newspaper on them. God, <laughs> watch. Everybody got a devil. Ain't got no newspaper under their chin and they ain't coughing. He said, this it's going to manifest who the devil is. Read. Whosoever doth not righteousness uh -huh. is not of God. Uh -huh. Neither he that loveth not his brother. Either he that you want to find out who got the devil, find out the people that don't love their brothers and sisters in the church. You round here, you round here with newspaper under somebody's chin, come out, come out, and some of them ain't coughing, some of them ain't barking, and some of these folk that won't get along with each other. That's where some of your devils are. Look what he said. Read. For this is the message. This is the message. That you heard from the beginning. That you heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. That we should love one another. Uh-huh. Not as Cain. Not as Cain. Who was of that wicked one. Who was of that wicked one. And slew his brother. And slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him. Uh-huh. Because his own works were evil. Uh-huh. And his brother's righteous. Yes. Marvel not, my Marvel brother. not, my brother. If the world hate you, uh -huh. we know that we have passed from death unto life. Uh -huh. Because we love the brethren. Uh -huh. He that loveth not his brother uh -huh. abideth in death. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hated his brother, Whosoever hated his brother is, a murderer. is a murderer. Anybody in here that got folk that you hate, and some of y'all don't know what hate is. You say, I got a strong dislike. I don't like them. But let me tell you what hate is. If you got to sit in your car 30 minutes to make sure that I'm in the church so you won't meet me in the lobby, that's hate. If you got to sit on the other side of the church, I'm talking here, 
Amen. You got to sit on the other side of the church. Now don't y'all act like it's late tonight. It was late the other night too. I just wasn't talking about your mess. You got to sit way on the other side of the church and go over there so you can avoid me. Amen. That if you got to go join another church because you don't want to be in the same church with a sister and brother, that's hate. Read, uh-huh. Whosoever hated this brother yes. is a murderer. Is a murderer. And you know that no murderer and you know that no murderer hath eternal life. Has eternal life. Abiding in him. My God, I want to be saved. And I want to be saved so bad, I don't mind going through what it takes to reconcile with you so that I can reconcile with God. Somebody ought to put your head together and give God a praise. Yes, we're going back home with a mind to unify in the doctrine but my God let us unify with one another grab somebody and say you are my brother you are my sister and we're going to get this thing together put your hand together and give God a praise and say hallelujah God told me to tell you today that there is an anointing that does not fall until the people of God come together there is a presence of God that does not come. And let me tell you, we are on the verge, hallelujah, of an apostolic outpouring. We are on the verge of duplicating and being exactly what the church of Acts was. Can't you see it happening around here? We have seen healings manifested in this meeting. Hallelujah, I saw this young man. Uh, I think his name is Michael Stevenson. Is that his name? Uh, the one up from uh, 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 Georgia area that he put his testimony on that he was getting ready to have surgery for a, a, a rotor cup and he stood in the prayer line the other night and hands was laid on him and he's been healed and then the other sister that was there amen at the at the rally and just passed through and laid hands on her and God healed her of the same condition and the other day a man come fresh off the street hallelujah amen just walked in the church laid hands on him less than five seconds over there he's speaking in tongue got baptized in Jesus name these are the things that happen in the book of Acts and God said he's trying to make apostolic great again but we've got to come together and be one church with one mind glory to God there is hallelujah amen there is a prep for the anointing hallelujah tell somebody let's get prep for Pentecost hallelujah there's a prep for a Pentecostal outpouring there's a prep for an apostolic outpouring y'all just give me a few minutes and I'll get out of your way the Bible said when the day of Pentecost was fully come yes we talk about the fully come but we don't talk about the prepping that took place you don't just take chicken and throw it in the grease and fry my God you got to take some fat off of it you got to clean it and get it all prepped and what God is saying I'm prepping this church for an apostolic outpouring but what that apostolic outpouring me they were all in one place with one accord well I want to tell you today on tonight it can happen tonight if we are here in one place with one accord and we'll tear down the walls of the division something is going to happen here like it happened on the day of Pentecost put your hand together and give God a praise my God, somebody say hallelujah. Grab somebody by the hand and tell them it's about to happen again. My God, I'm about to close, but tell them it's about to happen again. My God, tell somebody I'm going back home with a fresh anointing, a unified anointing. My God, not only is there one Lord, one faith, one baptism, there's one church. Amen. One God, one Father who's above all, in you all, and through you all. Somebody ought to praise God for what's about to happen. My God, can somebody give him praises and say hallelujah. 
The Bible said they were all in one place with one accord. And suddenly, and suddenly, amen, God said, hallelujah, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing. It didn't just tiptoe in there. It didn't just walk in there. Uh, to me, it seemed like the Lord was ready to get in there. The wind was ready. Amen, he was ready, but he was waiting on them to get together. They had some stuff that they had to straighten out. And when they straightened that stuff out, the Holy Ghost rushed in there. I mean to tell you, say, there's a rush that will come if the church will get together. God is waiting. He's ready to get in there. He said, boy, I wish they'd get it together. I wish you'd start speaking to that person. I wish you'd start acting right. I want to feel this church, but I don't want to bring anybody in that hellish environment. I want to feel this church, but they got too much confusion. If you go back home and straighten that mess in the church, there will come a rush from God. There will come a mighty wind from God. Put your hand together and give God a praise. Hallelujah. Grab somebody by the hand and look them in the eye. I say, are you ready for the rush? My God, tell them, are you ready for the rush? My God, somebody ought to say, are you ready for the rush? My God, tell somebody there is a rushing mighty wind coming to the church. Hallelujah. There's an anointing coming to the church. There's a flood of souls coming to the church. If we can just get together and love one another, if we can get together and put down these walls, something is about to happen. Give God the praise and say, hallelujah. Grab somebody by the hand and say, revival is coming. Hallelujah, tell them revival is coming. My God, tell them revival is coming. My God, tell them that's why the devil has fought so many people and took them from unifying because if we can get together, something is about to happen. If we can throw down our differences, something is about to happen. I want to tell you, sisters and brothers, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth holding that attitude. It's not worth Your ministry is more important, my God, than that person that you can't speak to. Your ministry is more important than that person that you don't like. Come on, get together, so you can experience what God has for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. How many of you want revival? My God, how many of you want healing in the church? How many want deliverance in the church? My God, hallelujah. Tell somebody when we connect, God will connect. My God, I'm about to go here, but church of God, the Bible way preaches. Let me tell you something. There is an anointing that God wants to bring, but the anointing that God wants to bring, before you ask God to come, there's some work that you got to do. Before you get a move of God, there's something that the church has to do. My God, God sent Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones hallelujah and he told Ezekiel this is what I want you to do I want you to preach to the separated dry bones and before a move of God came together 